Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by Larry Romo. He's uh, currently a candidate here for district clerk uh, in Bear County. He's got a long and storied uh, career background, and uh, we're going to be talking public sector cybersecurity this week. Uh, Larry, thank you for agreeing to join us. Thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Yeah. So uh, go ahead and share with our audience uh, your background and uh, how did you, uh, one, learn a little bit of German, and then two, uh, end up here on this uh, CyberTalk radio program today? Well, thank you again. And uh, my background is I'm a native San Antonian, born and raised here. I uh, went to Highlands High School and had the good fortune of being first to go to college uh, for my family. I went to the United States Air Force Academy. Uh, I got my master's in high school in education. But one of the most interesting things that I have to say is uh, the technology that has changed in my lifetime. uh, And uh, we were the last class at the Air Force Academy to be issued slide rules. There you go. The next class got issued... uh, Calculators that were quite expensive. They're Texas Instruments. I think they cost like $140 for a basic one back then. Yeah. And now the uh, cadets at the Air Force Academy get issued uh, the top of the line uh, personal computers. Uh, they uh, have all kinds of uh, functions that they can do. So it's amazing all the technology that, that has changed. I uh, retired as Lieutenant Colonel from the Air Force Reserves, and uh, I remember the uh, basic uh, computers coming out uh, around uh, 1980. The, uh, updated computers, uh, the Zenith, Z1s, Z100s, and now uh, they have the top-of-line computers, uh, Dells and other, other ones that they use. But also, uh, I've always realized that computer security is very important because uh, I was a federal employee and I, I, I got credit for a little over 40 years of, of federal service. And uh, one thing about federal employees, uh, most agencies, they or all agencies now have to, uh, they have to uh, Make sure they have proper computer security training and proper cybersecurity uh, processes. And uh, I knew uh, when I worked at Fort Sam Houston and I was appointed by the President of the United States and nominated by Congress to uh, be the Director of Selective Service, where I served seven years and two months, that from day one, cybersecurity, computer security were important uh, parts of uh, the process and that the ones that could get you in the most trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, as you, we were talking a little bit uh, before we went on air here about the uh, OPM and that OPM hack that happened a while ago. Your records were contained in that along with uh, everyone else that worked for the, the government. And it's just it's uh, complicated when you've got this breadth of systems. You have uh, staff uh, turnover in agencies on a, a pretty regular basis, and it, it makes um, these large, complex systems um, tricky to deal with. So there's a, a series of unique challenges on the, the public sector uh, cybersecurity side of things. So um, and as you even just look at, at large-scale IT projects, there's um, additional complexity on the public sector side of things as well. I think we'll be able to dive into uh, one of the ones here in Bear County a little bit later into the program. Um, if you uh, happen to be listening to us uh, live right now here on Saturday evening, I had Congressman Hurd on the program where we talked more about uh, public sector um, at the federal government level, uh, along with that OPM hack. You can listen to that on our archives on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, or as well if you're a, an iPhone or an Android user uh, on your favorite podcasting app there uh, on either of those platforms, Pocket Cast on an Android maybe, or uh, 
uh, iTunes on your iPhone. Uh, you can pull up that episode and, and uh, hear what uh, Congressman Hurd had to say about some of the things they're doing at the, the federal uh, legislative level right now. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's one where I think that these uh, challenges, as you, you said, you started off back in the Air Force Academy with the slide rules, and now everything is, is moving towards uh, technology and being able to execute these um, large-scale technology projects are going to be critical to the success of, of our uh, public sector services over the next decade. Yes, you're exactly right. Uh, and it's a team effort. Uh, everyone uh, in an agency has to be involved, uh, all employees, because uh, anybody could make a mistake and it could cost uh, millions and millions of dollars, as we can see with the Office of Personal Management. In fact, my wife and I, uh, we have to have a protective sec- security uh, because uh, – we, get, we both got hacked through OPM, and uh, it's cost the taxpayers millions of dollars uh, to protect all the uh, citizens that were affected by that. Um, that's why it was important from day one when I was director of uh, Selective Service that I got together uh, our IT people and, and, and see where we're at. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we requested an audit, and we have an annual audit that's required called the Federal Information Management Security Act. And uh, within a few months I was there, we had an audit. We saw that we had some major material weaknesses and some other issues uh, with a modernization project that I had inherited. So unfortunately, I had to make some personnel changes, uh, get the right people in there, and get the uh, contractor for this uh, program called uh, Registration Compliance Verification, a multi-million dollar uh, computer contract, and say, we're going to have milestones, we're going to have meetings, we're going to have making sure we have the right cybersecurity we're going to get together. We're going to make sure that we do this uh, within our budget and within time. Uh, it's important for the leadership to uh, to get involved and, and get their hands in so they can know what's going on and ask the right questions. A leader doesn't have to be an IT major. Like, I'm not an IT major, but a leader has to be, be knowledgeable enough to know what's going on and ask the right questions and being involved to get hands-on. That's very imperative with, with IT systems. Uh, we... Uh, got a, the right team together. Uh, we had a, our in-house people that are real good on source coding. We had our, our, our private contractor involved. We had some other IT people and the lay people, the people, the end users. It's important that the end users be involved because they're the ones that are going to get the product. And you have to get the input of the end users. And many of the end users aren't IT majors, but they're the ones who can visually see what they that they need to know and what information they need on the uh, computer screen. And it's important that uh, they're involved with the uh, techies, with the source coders, the uh, the contractors, so they can they can uh, get the system correct and proper and what they need to know and get the bugs out of the system. But also, what you have to do is you have to make sure that the system, the new system that you're creating, isn't with the old system. You got to keep it separate because you want to make sure that you don't uh, do something by accident and uh, open up uh, to potential hackers. So uh, you keep this, the system in-house to ensure that uh, you uh, keep the right security. Yeah. No, and, and it's uh, that's a really important one as you talk through there. It's kind of, a, as I think about it, it's the least privileged principle. You're going through and, and asking the users what information do they need to see and then not displaying or sharing additional information uh, out to folks. Uh, and getting that user input design as the, the application is going through and, and not making necessarily assumptions on... Uh, how people are going to try to use that technology in their job, actually go in and ask the people that are doing the work, where's this tech plugging into their process, um, and how is it going to be used so that you uh, build the system in a way that makes that process more efficient for them 
uh, and with does it in a way that uh, minimizes, again, the amount of information you have to share, where do you have to share it, and, and who gets control over it um, while it's useful. Exactly, and even sometimes you have to uh, have some sample customers come because if it's a product that you're developing, uh, the end users know, but you have to know what the customers are going to get back from that. So it's important that uh, you look at the whole total picture. Uh, it's a very complex and tedious process, and it's important that you have much more prior planning before you uh, go into the project. And obviously, before you put a, a bid out for the contractor, you have to give them as much thorough information as possible because you know as I do that if, if you uh, have to amend a contract, that's where that uh, private contractor is going to really uh, increase the price. Uh, and then the taxpayers look at that negatively and say, well, you should have done that right in the first place. Yeah. So it's important that you uh, give as much uh, information as possible. So uh, as you talk through on the, the scope and time of one of these projects, uh, is this a, a six-month, one year? Or how, many, how long do one of these big projects take? It all depends on the complexity of the project. Uh, uh, if it's real complex, uh, or if it's not as complex, let's say, I would say uh, you would give it at least a year just for the planning aspect. But if you have a multi-module complex uh, project, I would say at least two years uh, like for the Bear County one we're going to assess later, I would say it's going to at least take two years if you want to do the proper planning for the multi-modules that they want to do with the integration part. Yeah. So for those in the, the private sector, I think this is a, a significant difference in the way uh, that things are handled. The public sector technology projects are often multi-year and I mean, even a, a year of planning before you go into to at the execution phase where uh, private sector side, I think that folks are rolling projects on a much shorter time frame uh, these days uh, versus the the longer, more structured planning. And I think even if you get into large enterprise now, um, they're looking to break projects down into smaller chunks. Uh, so uh, as you're out there and looking at these public sector projects that are having uh, potentially difficulties, and you don't hear about all the ones that go very well, um, we only hear about uh, the ones that have issues. Uh, I think that the process for public sector uh, works with the way um, that the services are designed and kind of the complexity of the number of departments and number of, of personnel that get involved in um, each of these. I mean, if you think about um, even Bear County here is a large size organization, uh, but at the, the federal government level, uh, you have millions of potential users and on the system, whether it's us as citizens logging into it, um, if it's uh, the healthcare.gov portal or somewhere else, uh, versus if it's an internal system even getting used uh, by multiple departments or multiple agencies, you may have hundreds of thousands of users on an application. That's true. And uh, what I'm very proud, you're right, uh, usually you don't hear uh, success stories, but we did have two, so two success stories in Selective Service System, uh, in 2015, uh, we uh, were ranked first of all the small federal agencies, and I believe there was well over 25 small federal agencies of the government. We received the highest, uh, best audit score from the Department of Homeland Security on our annual audit, uh, the FISMA audit. Uh, so I'm very proud of that. And also, our private contractor actually received an award for the quality of source coding they did uh, uh, of all the contracts they had in the, in the, in the government, and they had zero... Uh, cyber incidents and uh, zero source coding. I believe they had like 68, I'm not exactly sure, but I believe 68,000 lines of source coding or something like that. Yeah. 
So you're listening to Cyber Talk Radio on 1200 WAI. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Pyatt. I'm joined this week by Larry Romo, a retired Air Force officer and a candidate for Bear County Clerk. We're talking uh, public sector IT and public sector cybersecurity. If you uh, just turn the radio on right now, you can listen to the rebroadcast and replay of this uh, online on Tuesday. Uh, you'll be able to find it on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. So, Larry, as we uh, kind of going through and talking, when you say uh, small federal agency, so selective service, because um, small business, I think, in the private sector world means maybe 50 employees or 100 employees or 200 employees. For a small federal agency, what does small mean at the federal government level? Off the top of my head, and don't hold me to this number, but I believe it's under 250, uh, somewhere around there, definitely under 500. So that's a small federal agency. Okay. And then from a IT budget perspective on those projects, how much money were they spending on each of those? Actually, our, our annual uh, budget is 22 three million dollars yeah so we didn't spend much uh, we we had an extra few million dollars that we got for this uh, our project ended up taking probably approximately about five years to complete but uh, it is top-notch now and it is it is excellent it probably would have taken less time but uh, the first year and a half they were sputtering until I got there and then uh, we got on the right track yeah so on the right track three-year execution which uh, for me and, and my experience as well working um, I mean, alongside uh, some public sector IT projects uh, throughout my career, uh, three years is uh, excellent uh, from an idea to execution perspective uh, on these. Yes, and it ended up saving time, money, and efficiencies, which is really, really great for us. Uh, yeah, Selective so Service System was definitely a success story uh, for the uh, RCB project. You know, And the same things happened in Bear County. Uh, we had a mainframe that we had our data millions and millions of records of young men uh, for selective service system uh, on a 1980s era mainframe. And we were sharing that mainframe with another federal agency and they, uh, were, they weren't on it anymore and they wanted to get rid of the mainframe because it was obsolete and high maintenance. So we had to put ours on servers. So we were under on a definite timeline because it would have cost us an extra million dollars a year to uh, basically maintain that mainframe, uh, which we really didn't have. So uh, we had to really make sure that we got that uh, done in a timely fashion. Yeah, and uh, for those listening, as we uh, selective service, um, you said the records on millions. This so this is where uh, when you turn eighteen, you you go register. Yes, it's federal law for all males to register. Uh, they're eighteen to twenty five years old, and it's really tied to a lot of benefits like uh, federal benefits, like uh, Pell grants, uh, federal jobs, federal job training, and also even the state of Texas. In order to uh, get a driver's license, you have to make sure that you uh, register with the selective service system. And even some municipalities, you cannot be a, uh, a fireman or a policeman. So uh, there's many, many uh, things tied to it. And it's the right thing to do because we have a national emergency. All males must uh, register in case we don't have enough volunteers. And they're actually looking at possibly uh, adding women to that. Yeah. So this back when when I did that it was a it was a postcard so it's not a postcard any longer it sounds like probably about eighty five at least percent if not more uh, do it online it takes less than two minutes to go on the website to do it online now uh, we do still have uh, postcards at all the uh, post offices uh, for people that uh, that don't want to do it that way uh, and uh, they can actually go electronically now and uh, print out one of their uh, selective service cards if they want to yeah. So you've you've gone through and and done that with the selective service, and then you have uh, kind of retired there from the the Air Force, uh, worked for the selective service. What made you decide to to get involved here in Bear County? 
again, I was born and raised in San Antonio, and uh, I really enjoy our city uh, and the county. And it's important that we have uh, leaderships that uh, are ethical, transparent, and accountable. And it's important that we uh, have the right people that have the qualifications and leadership skills. And I have the skills uh, dealing with people, dealing with uh, technology, and dealing with customer service. And the district clerk office is, is, uh, needs to have those uh, processes uh, optimized. So it's important that we do that. And I try to match my talents, what I did uh, in selective service and in the rest of my career with uh, some of the, some of the uh, political offices here. And I felt that was the best match. Yeah. So uh, as uh, you're looking at a time frame, so we just had an, an election here in November. When would this next election be? The primaries in Texas for both the Republican and Democratic Party are March the 6th. Early voting starts 20 February, so really that's just right, right around the corner. And then the uh, general election will be in November. Okay, so this is in the, the 2018 uh, ballot, um, in the November ballot, you'll f- folks there, and then there's primaries coming up uh, just after the holiday season here. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a, it's one now, I think, uh, where everyone feels like there's uh, constant campaigning going on. Um, I mean, as as soon as someone's elected, they're uh, starting their campaign to rerun again for election. This is one as we talk about this turnover um, in the the IT and the technology projects that are running for multiple years. Um, From a a county clerk perspective, uh, how long would you be in office there? Those terms are four years, which is really good because in four years' time, you should be able to uh, get a major project done. I mean, there's no excuse not to have a major project within four years yeah so and and uh out there for listeners is uh we're uh, thinking about uh, term limits or shortening terms or shortening the length of, of uh, different things um it realizes you're, you're forcing staff turnover on those and so there's trade-offs to um all of these but if you have a, a two-year term and as larry had said that most of these projects it's a year of planning um and then at least a year of execution unless that project started the day somebody took office it's not going to be done in a two-year time frame uh, so if you're looking for change and improvement uh in your government uh given the folks there the opportunity to uh have a four-year term is important um and then also being able to give folks the opportunity to potentially run for a re-election if they're doing a good job um, just, I don't know anyone that says, you know what, you've, you've worked for me for four years. It's time for you to, to go on somewhere else. If you're in there and you're doing a good job, um, you should be able to have the opportunity to go back. So this is, it's one that's, uh, interesting to think about, uh, and, uh, on a whole separate topic from a long run perspective, but, um, the public policy side of things impacts how technology projects can get done. So if, as you look and you go, well, why hasn't the government changed X, Y, or Z technology system. Um, if you look at how people are appointed into that agency or um, how the leaders of that agency are elected, um, uh, you may be able to see um, signs of that feeding down through to the, the whole thing. I think uh, what's important too is uh, the political leadership has to work very closely with the careerists, the career people there, whether it be the IT department or the end users, uh, all employees. Like I said, it's a team effort. And that's one thing I did in selective service, and I would do in the county. But in selective service, uh, it's like having a mechanic checking uh, under the hood. you got to check the spark plugs, the engine, the transmission, the battery. 
the radiator to make sure everything is, is, is in top tip top shape. That's the same thing. Uh, that's what I did when I went to select a service. I, I, I wanted to ch- check to make sure that I had the right careers. They were doing the right job, learning their, their job responsibilities, uh, going over them with their job responsibilities, uh, making sure they were doing what's right, checking out uh, the audit, the financial picture to see what is right. And that's why I had to make some changes because we didn't have the right people that were doing the right things. And you got to you got to have trust. You got to develop that trust between the political leadership and the career leadership and work uh, as a team in a positive direction. You got to keep the train running on the tracks. Yeah. So uh, we hinted a couple of times about this uh, Bear County project we're going to dive into deeper and we'll do that uh, after the bottom of the hour break but let's go ahead and uh, give everybody a little bit of a background on it right now uh on what is this project that's a good example of something to talk about here on these long-term time frames that the train did not stay on the tracks in this case the bear county integrated justice system uh was a contract that was let out uh, in 2010 and started in 2011 it was an, a little over $18 million contract that they gave an award to called AMCAD, uh, the company. And there was approximately 14 or 15 uh, areas in Bear County government that they were going to have an integration uh, justice computer system plan. Uh, for example, the sheriff's office, the district attorney office, the Bear County courts, which the district clerk runs, the magistrate court, the uh, county courts, uh, and some other areas that they were going to look into, uh, I mean, that they were going to do. And it was a very complex project uh, because when you're talking about 14 areas, and that's why I say it's a long-term project that need a lot of detailed planning because it's hard to integrate one module, let alone 14 or 15 uh, areas. So it's important that uh, that uh, they were on the right track and that the leadership was really involved from day one because you're talking about a very detailed, complex project that need to be done right. Yeah, so this project started back in, in 2010 and still not done today? Exactly. Uh, they still haven't uh, put out a re- request for a proposal. They recently, uh, in July of 2017, uh, put out a request for information to uh, people out worldwide, I guess, uh, to say, hey, this is a project that we want to do. So it's still being planned. Uh, and the reason it's being planned this way, uh, in 2015, there was an article in Express News saying that they were gonna, about to do it. But there was a very, uh, uh, very uh, detailed uh, audit done by IBM that uh, was let out in January 2016. And it was very, very detailed saying that there was a lot of different uh, places in Bear County IT department uh, that were very lacking, that uh, really, really were very lacking, very poor performance in many areas, in almost in all areas. So... I have to compliment the Bear County, whoever asked for that audit, to do that. Uh, it was 216-page audit because they want to know where they were at. So they probably hit the bottom of the barrel, so now they're on their way up. So I have to compliment. Sometimes you got to face the hard facts and the cold truth. And that's what they did. So uh, they are, they've re- they're rebounding, but it's it's a slow process. Yeah, I know. As uh, I've noticed over the last uh kind of 12 to 18 months, uh, you'll, if you go to the Bear County website, if you're in the tech sector uh, and you're looking for uh, work, they've got a number of job openings. Uh, they've got new salary bands for all of those job openings, which should be, uh, I think, much more competitive than uh, where they were. Um, if you rewind back probably to when this, this project started, 
um, they were having a hard time attracting and retaining the talent they needed um, because of the way that uh, technology was thought of um, inside of the, the county. Uh, and those things that you learn from those lessons and uh, make those changes now. That's true. And uh, you got to hire the right people. You got to really got to look into their backgrounds because I was told by a very reliable source that the person back then uh, wasn't even an IT uh, major that was running the IT department. They had a financial background. So we're uh, getting ready to break here for news, traffic, and weather. If you just joined us, uh, you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, joined this week by Larry Romo, a candidate for Bear County District Clerk, uh, coming up here in the 2018 elections. Uh, he's a retired Air Force officer and I've done uh, a number of other things. We're going to kind of deep dive into uh, public sector IT planning and projects and how do these things go and, and get executed in a successful manner. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this year by Larry Romo. Uh, he's a retired Air Force officer and 40-year civil servant. And so uh, you had mentioned the first half of the program between uh, your uh, enlisted time and your service with uh, other agencies after that. You've spent 40 years in a career working for us all as uh, taxpayers. That's true. That's true. And you're, and you're looking for at least four more years. And it's important that you have the right people because it's not my money, it's the taxpayer's money. I was told our, our employees that. I said, we got to make sure that we optimize our processes and assets and give their due to the taxpayers because uh, we got to make sure that uh, we don't waste money uh, like the, unfortunately uh, they did with this uh, initial project on the Bear County Integrated Justice System. Yeah. And so uh, for uh, those that are just uh, tuning in here with us after the, the break, so you started uh, back a uh, long time ago here, Highlands High School in San Antonio. Yes, Highlands Fighting Owls. Uh, yeah. And I was the first to go into college from there to the Air Force Academy, graduating. So what, what made you pick the Air Force Academy out of the, the different service academies? How did you find your way to that? My dad uh, worked at Kelly Air Force Base. He was in the Army uh, and the Occupation Force in uh, Germany and then uh, Air Force Reserves for a while. But he worked as a civilian at Kelly, and I used to enjoy going to Kelly Air Force Base and watching the aircraft and the Air Force solicit and officers there. And uh, basically that kind of stuck in my head when I went to the picnic grounds at Kelly, and uh, I always liked the Air Force. And yeah. I like the other services too, but I like the Air Force. Yeah, so from uh, you, you graduate from high school here, and then uh, you start school in the fall, and immediately you've got snow under your, your feet uh, on campus there for that first winter. How was that, that first winter out of San Antonio? Yes, that was really interesting because actually it snowed either the last week in October and early October, so here I am on my parka. And really the first time I ever flew in an airplane is when I flew uh, up to uh, Colorado Air Force Academy. So it was really interesting uh, process because we're uh, at 7,300 feet above sea levels at the foothill of the Rocky Mountains. So uh, it gets really cold up there. And I was stationed in Montana in four and a half years, 
it's even colder there. Yeah, no, I, it's uh, the central plains. Uh, definitely, you you get the uh, the cold uh, for sure. So uh, up at an air base in Montana, you spent some time in Germany as well. No, actually, uh, I've just been TDY in Germany. Uh, my wife, uh, she's German, but I met her here at the Beethoven Monochor. Oh, uh, interesting! It's a, a Southtown legend. That's right. Yeah. It's a great place. It's it's uh, been down there all the way since the very beginnings of uh, King William. Yes, uh, uh, it's been there since like the 1850s. Yeah, no, it's a, a, a really a, a fun spot, a great place to go hang out at first Friday. Uh, there's a wonderful courtyard patio where I've uh, seen and been uh, hanging out with lots of kids running around all the time. So uh, we'll uh, get back to our, our topic about uh, IT projects in public sector. And uh, specifically, we're going to dive into uh, one project around this Bear County Integrated Justice System. Uh, if you missed the first half of the program, you can listen to the rebroadcast or replay of that uh, online on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com or on iTunes podcasts or Pocket Casts on your Android device. Uh, that'll be online on Tuesday here um, after we have we air here on Saturday. So uh, in this uh, project, so this is a, a 15 module project, uh, and if you were elected as a, the Bear County District Clerk, you would be involved in this uh, project as as the uh, executive there in, in charge of at least one of these systems and modules that are going to tie into this whole integrated platform. Correct? Exactly, that is correct. The district courts and probably the master courts, for that matter, uh, are going to be very involved, uh, along with the, for example, the DA's office, the county courts, the sheriff's office, the jails. So it's important that we have uh, the right people with the module, because not only can I, would I be able to help make sure my module uh, is done properly and correctly because of my expertise that I received in selective service, but also I can help out the other uh, modules too, because uh, they complement each other. Yeah, and all this information's got to tie together and, and work well, um, or you, you, you don't have an integrated system. That's the definition of integrated. So from a, a history of this project, so it's coming up now, I'm going to call it on a reboot. Um, and it sounds like they started back in 2010, and uh, we'll have uh, some information online that will go into a little bit of the background of this. And I mean, Express News ran some articles, uh, many articles maybe over the last few years about um, this project, because it was a big project, right? Uh, initial kickoff, almost a $20 million budget. Exactly. Uh, it was a little over $18 million budget, and uh, they were very excited about it. They say it was going to save time, efficiencies, and there was an old mainframe, and I guess they're still using the old mainframe from the 80s, uh, just like we had in Selective Service, and they wanted to upgrade and put it on servers and uh, in the cloud, probably. And it was important that uh, they were all excited and saying, we got the right company, but unfortunately, the wheels fell off. Uh, there was a two-page memo from the Bear County that went out in 2013 saying, hey, uh, to the contractor, uh, what's up? We don't have a plan. Uh, we don't know where it's going. Uh, and then uh, in 2014, uh, about three years in the contract, the contractor just walked off and declared bankruptcy. and was really a slap in the face. That contractor received $32 million a few months before from a, an investor, Riverside Funds, and the CEO got $5.8 million. So, of course, uh, if they do stuff like that, they can declare bankruptcy. Uh, somebody made money on the deal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so it was going nowhere. And finally, uh, IBM did an audit in 2015, and they released the results January 2016. And it was pretty damaging, pretty pretty bad. Uh, yeah. 
And would you like to discuss some of those items? Yeah, we should we should go through that that audit finding. So uh, this is is one from a public sector perspective uh, that audits get done uh, from an agency level. in theory, on an annual basis, I'm not certain across every agency in the government it really happens on an annual basis at the the level and depth that this um, IBM uh, assessment and audit of Bear County uh, for this project happen. Uh, but uh, and they get graded in a letter grade for the federal agencies. I don't know if this audit has a letter grade attached to it or not, but. Um, Across uh, IT and technology across the federal government, most of the agencies, sadly enough, are not receiving passing letter grades on their cybersecurity or passing letter grades even on um, IT systems availability and modernization in, in many different areas right now. So technology has been a, a, a big area of struggle for the, the public sector uh, for a number of reasons we talked about in the, the first half of the program. But let's go ahead and dive um, into this, this IBM uh, audit on this Integrated Justice Center project. Okay, I'm just going to read a few items here. The weekly Bear County IT leadership meetings are ineffective due to poor information, lack of planning, and weak agenda. The County Integrated Justice Steering Committee does not establish the metrics for evaluating the performance of the County Integrated Justice System Program. The selected metrics should be ready, readily measurable and indicative of the value of the County Information Justice System to the business. And then they uh, observed some items. They're saying that the governance was working until five years ago, and this would have been 2016. So it was working, uh, uh, was working at 2011, but since then it wasn't. Currently, the steering committee electric officials are focused on business, not policy matters, and are not meeting regularly. No one is leading the vision. Business architecture is largely unchanged in 10 years. Technical architecture is dated based on legacy technology and missing key integrations. Obsolete security and incomplete documentation resulted in a recently failed Bear County Integrated Justice System security audit. Most Bear County Integrated Justice System projects are on hold or have not made progress in years. Project management appears undisciplined. Risks, including management costs, fragility, lack of adaptability, gaps in completeness, accuracy, and timeliness of information. Yeah. So as, as you talk through some of those audit findings, so you you have a, a budget for running the existing systems and the maintenance on those systems, and you have a project budget to modernize or transform it. Um, and as you're you're going through, if this modernization and transformation project fails, where where does that leave the budget for the the operating and maintenance? If maybe they had planned to phase out maintaining this old system, uh, as you said, you kind of ran into a, a situation like this in the selective service where other folks are moving off of that mainframe. Um, what ends up happening in these kind of cases uh, where you you maybe don't have the budget dollars now? You just have to ask taxpayers for more money. Uh, but uh, when you maintain an older uh, mainframe, it goes down more, so you have to. Uh, either in-house or hire a contractor for the maintenance costs. You also have to have more personnel uh, that are involved. So it's more time, time, time more, takes more time and more cost. Uh, but there actually uh, had uh, some cost in the audit, uh, what it would cost to, to, uh, for a redo. If they redo all the modules, it would cost $30 million. Now, if they, like you said earlier, if they uh, go one or two modules at a time, it would be less, probably 4 or $5 million. So that's where, where the, that would be at. Uh, but I think one of the keys really is communication. You can uh, really save dollars if you just communicate from top to bottom. Uh, 
again, get the right team in, but you got to have the leadership get involved. If they send a representative, that representative has to be uh, knowledgeable, but brief back to the uh, the head of the of the of the of the uh, section of the department. So. For the initial eighteen million dollars that the the county spent on this, did, did they get any systems deployed to production, or is that money just gone now? That's a good question uh, that uh, you would have to ask the county, uh, because uh, what I can see, little if anything was was accomplished on it. Uh, again, uh, it was just unfortunate uh, that uh, they got into that uh, debacle. Uh, uh, I guess they just hired the wrong vendor, uh, which is a very unfortunate uh, thing that happened. Yeah. And as uh, we, we had mentioned in the first half of the program as well, is you every time one of these projects goes the, the wrong way um, and has a, a, a failure, you read about it in the newspaper, uh, you uh, hear about it on programs like this, um, all the projects that they're executing correctly, we it, no one talks about those. I mean, it's, it's the tr- traditional news of if it bleeds, it leads. Um, and so the, the bad news, the postmortems on those uh, get lots of, of talk and conversation. But um, all of the, the projects that are moving along well uh, don't get mentioned. And, and folks don't generally get uh, credit for those, uh, which is is kind of unfortunate in a way. Uh, I think that you, you don't have the, the positive sides of a lot of these stories getting told. Um, but at the same time, though, is you look at $20 million dollars. Um, and going and seven years um, and going nowhere um, on that type of budget, um, someone should be held accountable for for that level of of uh, ineffectiveness. Yes, uh, and I believe they made some changes in the IT department, which is important because the IT department should really be the lead on that. But you can't just say it's the IT department's fault again. You got to have all the people that have uh, have ownership there because uh, it's a team effort. Uh, and so you have to compliment the IT department. And uh, if you see something wrong, you know, you have to, uh, it'd be like me saying, well, if I'm also director of psychic service, it's the IT department's fault. It's not my fault. If that would be the case, then uh, the OPM director would have still been there instead of being uh, resigned from that position because of the computer hack. So it's important that we that we have that team effort. And uh, my op- opponent has been there since 2011 when the contract started. And I, I think she probably should have been more involved uh, in my opinion, uh, maybe she could have tracked that and found that. So if we, we go back now, should the county award a new um, integrator this contract? Are they ready right now to, to start implementing? I think they're getting there. Uh, what I've read in the Internet, and the Internet's a great tool for research, they actually hired a, uh, an integrator, a person uh, uh, with a, almost a 7,000-month salary, and I, I believe that person's on board because uh, they hired somebody who's been well over a year ago, what I, what I can see. So, uh, again, I, I said as complex as that is, it's probably a two-year project. And I know for a fact that they do have a, uh, a committee that's meeting right now, and uh, they're uh, looking to see what it's going to take to put the request for a proposal out. And I read that they had that request for information already sent out to uh, contractors uh, nationwide asking for information. Uh, who could do a project like this? And that was a deadline with that was July of 2017. So I think they're getting there uh, to put the proposal out. But as I said, there's, it's a very complex project and you need to get those end users. You need to dig in and give as much information to those contractors as possible because you want to make sure it's detailed. So that way, uh, if you find, Oh, we missed this, 
then they're going to have to uh, amend the contract, and that's where the price gets uh, gets uh, raised and it upsets the taxpayers. Yeah, it's just like if you're you're remodeling uh, something at your your house and uh, you don't get into the details with your your contractor there, and then you come back and you go, oh, like I, I didn't want the sink in that location. They're they're happy to move it again. That's um, just going to cost a bunch of money or put the bathtub in a different spot or any of those sorts of things. If you weren't specific when you had that contractor doing remodeling on your house, um, same thing on an IT project. So it's just you've got to be specific um, and you have to, to let them know what the expectations of deliverables are. And if you're paying money out exactly what uh, is, are you getting for the dollars that are prescribed there, because um, if you leave it up to discretion, um, they may end up building something that doesn't work for your end user, and then after the th- it system rolls out, the end user will come back and say, hey, this doesn't actually allow me to achieve my business pro- process. Um, I can't use this new technology system, or I have to do all these other manual workarounds, and you have the option of funding and authorizing those manual workarounds or going back and, and redoing the technology system again. Exactly. One thing I wanted to mention uh, on one of the audit items uh, that really concerned me was uh, failing their security audit. Uh, again, there was hackies all around, and Bear County has a lot of personal information on people. Uh, so we got to make sure that uh, they have a top-notch cybersecurity program. So that's one thing I would look into, making sure all my personnel have a, a proper cybersecurity, but that we have the right uh, tools and the right software to make sure that uh, we can prevent hacking. Because uh, we do have a lot of interfaces. Uh, the district clerk, you know, with the attorneys out in the field, the state actually has something called electronic file transfers that they, they put into place. So now if somebody uh, puts a litigation like a lawsuit or even criminal, if they want to uh, put in uh, information to the district clerk office, they can do it electronically. But you know, as I do, you got to have a secure interface because if you get into the system that way, hacked, that's going to create a lot of problems that yeah. you want to that you want to have. Yeah, because I mean that that office is interfacing with confidential records, not necessarily attorney-client privilege documentation, but in some cases it will be because those things will be going through to a judge for review. Uh, but documentation about minors, which should be sealed, so not all uh, court records are all public record. Um, you can go sit down in a courtroom and listen to testimony, and you can listen to all sorts of things, but um, sometimes courtrooms are closed because it, you're discussing things about a minor, um, and, and lots of documents there that get filed uh, deal with with minors and uh, with things that uh, need to remain confidential. Uh, and as you, you go through, I mean, even just outside the courts, you can think of you pay your property taxes. You're paying your property taxes through a county system online. Um, you might be paying it and putting your bank account information in there. You might be paying it and putting credit card information in there. Uh, as, so we all go through and um, as Bear County residents interact with Bear County technology systems and they the share and store uh, confidential or sensitive information uh, about each one of us. You want to have, uh, you're exactly right, and you want to have firewalls. Firewalls. Obviously, you don't want a hacker to get into the system, but if a hacker gets into one system, it's almost like, uh, I guess, like the, sh- the ships. If uh, s- someplace starts leaking, they, they close the hatches so you won't get to the other ones. Uh, and it's important because if somebody gets into the system, uh, you don't want them to go to the, the records of your uh, employees, for example. Yeah. You know, they have a lot of information, probably their social security account numbers and stuff. So it's important that you have the right firewalls uh, that can't be penetrated. 
Oh, and that's a you know, containment. Things that uh, you learn during a military career and a military education, for sure, is uh, that risk mitigation and management and containment of because of, you're going to always deal with things from a, a warfare perspective. Nothing's ever going to go exactly as planned, but you, every time you do have damage, you want to be able to minimize that. Exactly. Uh, we're all a, we're all a re- really warriors when it comes to uh, cyber warfare, even even people in their home with their personal computers. Uh, we all have to have knowledge uh, so we won't get uh, our information hacked. Yeah, and you can uh, learn quite a bit more on that uh, cybersecurity uh, from a, an individual perspective or uh, how to help secure your business on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Um, yeah, and the, on the awareness training, that's the, the number one uh, most important. We've had some uh, guests on talking um, cybersecurity and security awareness training because if you uh, don't know uh, what a phishing email is, um, you're probably falling victim to one already without even knowing about it. I was sent one. Um, from somebody pretending to be our benefits provider. I, I run a tech company um, and I do cybersecurity, so I was aware of this, but they were asking for all of our employees' birth dates and social security numbers filled out on a spreadsheet. Um, no, I didn't actually send it, but I, I'm aware of, of instances in the past where this has happened, where either someone in your HR department uh, or someone with access to the information at a company has, has fallen victim to these uh, end-of-the-year uh, benefits enrollment uh, phishing attempts. And there's all types of attacks out there where um, the folks are looking at a, a weakness in your process or a weakness in your systems to, to gain access to uh, as much information as they can. Very damaging, and uh, we hear, unfortunately, all these stories uh, worldwide, and especially in the United States, uh, about all these attacks they had. Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, we just heard one from Uber. I don't know the details of that one. Uh, and, of course, the Democratic National Committee got hacked really bad uh, through an attachment. So it's important that we uh, are vigilant. Yeah. Now, that that uh, uh, Uber uh, hack and, and one is uh, where, uh, for those that uh, get into the technical nerdy details of it, uh, they, one of their engineers, um, left credentials, uh, to a database, um, in something, uh, that their system had access to. And, uh, the attacker was able to get those credentials from that engineer and use them to go authenticate to a database that pulled down. They said records about, um, 57 million riders and passengers, but it didn't fall into a bunch of the different PII disclosures. So, it may be just our email addresses and our name, um, not something any too damaging or sensitive from uh, what's been released thus far, but um, this is a somewhat a becoming commonplace. Yes, uh, you're exactly right, and it's important that uh, cybersecurity starts uh, with your team. You know, we had a small agency of 125 people. We had uh, 10,000 board members, uh, and uh, we had uh, 76 176 reserve officers, 56 uh, part-time state directors to include our territories. But cybersecurity was important because, like I said, we had millions and millions of uh, young men's records. And But it's not that expensive. Our, our Probably our hardware and software costs about $500,000 in a security operations center as big as your room here, uh, which is probably what, about 12 by 6. And... Uh, we had three personnel that were very well qualified, and also we had a person that did our annual security training and also security training uh, uh, when we had exercise every uh, periodically. And uh, we had the right people and the right products. Uh, there was one, and I don't want to promote this, pro- this, but uh, something called Q Radar, and uh, we could we could see worldwide which IP addresses people were trying to attack us. It almost looked like uh, 
missile strike, uh, the electronic that you saw on War Games. Yeah. Uh, it was real interesting. But uh, we had the right people that had a software program developed by a company where if, if somebody tried to hack into us, they would, they would put them in a black hole. And they, they would just go in there and they would get stuck and it would be just, and spit, spit, wouldn't spit anything back. And it's important you have the right people that, that know what's going on. And, uh, you know, it's almost, it's almost fun keeping it, keeping it out because if you have the right thing, uh, nobody's going to get in there. Yeah. If you're successful in the cybersecurity side of stuff, it's very rewarding and fun. Uh, anytime that you, you have something go awry, it's uh, it's pretty stressful uh, in those. And so the, the way that you, you have fun and enjoy that is uh, proper planning up front ahead of time, uh, being reactive and being on your heels, uh, trying to dig in after someone's gotten inside a system is much more complicated than uh, preventing things from happening up front. So, uh, preventative uh, medicine on the the cybersecurity side of systems. It's uh, it, just think about like with your house. If you um, have an alarm on your house, if you can stop somebody from breaking into your house, much easier than showing up at home and realizing that all your drawers and, and everything in the whole house is thrown and strewn all over the floor. Um, it's much harder to clean up um, after the, the break-in than it is to prevent it up front. If you go to the Department of Homeland Security website, you can find a lot of information out. And also, we're number two here in San Antonio on cybersecurity, so we have a lot of tools, that, and they'd be probably happy to uh, to help you out, whether it be UTSA uh, or the Air Force a little bit, but UTSA. Uh, there's a lot of programs, and uh, any companies, would, of course, are looking to help you out. But if you want to find information for most liable, go to those sources. Yeah, and there's uh, lots of uh, things going on, both public and private sector here on the cybersecurity side, as well as if you uh, want to get into this growing field. There's hundreds of thousands of job openings now. Uh, we've covered cybersecurity education here uh, across uh, a number of our DHS and um, NSA certified center of excellence at the universities uh, and colleges here in the San Antonio area. So this is a one where uh, this is going to continue to be a growing issue uh, from now and on into the future as records move from uh, paper to digital. And uh, we try to use technology to uh, lead an efficient and easier life. Um, there's bad guys out there trying to uh, take advantage of that. So, Larry, if folks wanted to learn more about your campaign, where can they go? Romo for districtclerk.com. I, I like to wish everybody a uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year or, or any way that you celebrate the holidays. Yes. And uh, happy holidays to uh, all of you listeners out there. Uh, enjoy some Spurs basketball uh, this evening, and uh, we will uh, be back with you, I think, at our regular scheduled uh, hour the following uh, Saturday here. 